Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1475 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday here in mid-May. And I also want to encourage you at the top of the podcast to make us your first listen here at Locked on Hawks each and every day. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts and subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, etc. And today's show, with myself and Glenn Willis of ATL29 and Peachtree Hoops talking about our player capsule series and continuing that with a look at Sadiq Bey. If you missed it earlier this week, I talked to Glenn about the supporting guys on the roster for about 40 minutes of time. And then in between there, I talked to Robbie Calland of Uprock Sports and Diamond Uprocks about the conference finals and about the lottery, a little bit of Hawks talk in there as well in two-part episodes. So this is our fourth show of the week, and we do appreciate you listening to the podcast. What this is going to be, but as a sort of a reminder of what the series is going to be like from this point forward, Glenn and I will talk about a player every episode. Basically a breakdown of what they did well this year, what they might struggle with, uh, what their role might be, some numbers, some fits, some X's and O's, all that fun stuff. And today is about 35, 40 minutes on Sadiq Bay. So hopefully you enjoyed that deep dive after a brief word from our introduction of the podcast. I'll be back with myself and Glenn Willis on Sadiq Bay. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. I'm joined now by Glenn Willis of ATL and 29 and other places to continue, I suppose, our player capsule series. Glenn, welcome back to the podcast. It's been so long that you and I talked last. I know. I know we have so much <laughs> catching up to do, but we'll try to stay focused on the podcast agenda here. Here we are after, uh, and I'll, I'll just plug this now. We did about 38 minutes on the uh, supporting pieces of the roster, but we're, we're sort of digging in now for the first time to uh, one, of the guy, one of the core guys, and we're going to start. Not with uh, the guy I would say is the lowest profile, but the guy who played the least for the Hawks this year, and that is Sadiq Bey. He, of course, came over midseason via trade for a bundle of second-round picks from the Pistons. Played 25 games in the regular season, and then also played in the playoffs, made seven starts. Played like 600 minutes or so in the regular season. Was a key factor um, in the Boston series. Played 22 minutes a game in that series. Um, I mean, I guess I'll just start here. What were your initial impressions of Sadiq Bey? We'll get obviously a lot deeper in his offense, defense, what he, what, what he can kind of do. But uh, now that we've seen him play f- with the Hawks, and obviously you watched the whole league, so you've seen him play before this, um, about a third of the season, what'd you, uh, what'd you see? Well, you know, for me, when they made the trade, I was like, what do I expect? Because in Detroit, a team that was focused on development, you know, they let him, and he seemed interested in a pretty big offensive role, creating, running, pick and roll. And I was like, I don't think that's what we want, <laughs> you know. And it was not what they wanted. I don't think. And you and you understand, like he's he's building towards his uh, extension eligibility. It's there's a there's a financial um, kind of target. All of the guys, you know, in you know, uh, on the path he's on, are thinking about. They want as much opportunity as they can. It's natural. It's understandable. And a lot of teams provide that, you know, for those for those guys. And that's a, a way to kind of generate more buy-in and things like that. But when you come across to Atlanta, Atlanta, a team is trying to move up higher than the plan, you know, improve their, you know, standings, improve their level of play, you know, going into playoffs. I, I was like, I'm not really sure what to expect here. But I thought he really bought into the role that they needed him to play. I thought he, you know, obviously he's a he's a, a great shooter. If you ask me, like, is he top, he's probably a top 25 shooter in the league, you know, if you ask me, uh, that all things considered. 
Um, and, and he knocked he knocked down, I think he shot exactly what, like 40% during his time with the Hawks yep. uh, and stuff. But but his willingness to um, set up on the weak side, catch the ball, shoot it if he has the space, attack the closeout defender with pretty sound ball handling, you know, and pretty sound decision making, and to stay within the that role template that needed for him, that really impressed me. And I, you know, when they made the trade, I was like, Man, how does this kind of fit what they really need to be? They need to be adding more defense. We talk about that all the time. That's not what he's really kind of going to give you. And I'm sure we'll talk about the defense and stuff. But you talk about a guy that just came in and did exactly what you wanted him to do from a role standpoint and from the boundaries of the things that he should be looking to do and staying away from things he shouldn't be looking to do. That was super impressive to me. Just that the buy-in, just I and I thought it made a big difference. I thought Trey loved playing with him because of that reason. For example, not just Trey, but others as well. Um, but th- that's the first thing that really jumped out at me early on. This time with the Hawks was like just buying into that role, and I think it was super valuable. And I, and I I think it made a difference. I totally agree. And you know, part of what I do when the deal happened, you know, we've like I said, you've not seen him play before. It's like he's a, he was a total mystery to us. But I made some calls and emails and things to people that covered him in Detroit to say, you know, what do you what have you been hearing about Sadiq Bay? Um, what what do I need to know? Like what, what's the scouting report? And it's it's kind of a mixed bag, not not nothing bad, but kind of what you said, like, you know, he had a bigger role than he probably should have, just to be candid, in Detroit on a bad on a bad team. I mean, that's that's part of this too, is that you you, you never really know with certain guys, especially role players like Sadiq Bay, who is a role player, like what they're gonna look like when they've been exclusively on a bad team for their whole career to that point. It was only two and a half years, but that's Detroit's been bad the whole time he was there. And he was uh, playing a big role on that team. But um, like he did, I mean, I think it's been reported even like he wanted a big extension from them and was playing that way and put up some stats. I mean, it wasn't like he was not putting up some numbers and he was shooting the ball. Well, like you say, he's a good shooter, but yeah, it, it is impressive. And I think maybe it helps that he was going to a better team, even though the Hawks didn't have this great season, it was a step up for him to like suddenly be in a playoff race for the first time. Um, that probably helped, I would imagine. Also, you get a, a coach that he kind of arrived just before the coaching change, but he was mostly under Quinn. And I'm sure that was part of that too. But like, yeah, the fact, the fact that he was able to buy in, like his usage, right? This is only one metric, but was 17% in Atlanta after it had been 21-22 in Detroit. That's not a huge, I mean, that's a pretty notable difference, I'll say. Um, and, you know, for a guy as talented as he is, he didn't take a lot of mid-range shots in Atlanta. I think the Hawks didn't really want him to do that, but that was something he was doing more in Detroit so yeah, I agree with you. Like as a as a top line observation, him kind of buying into that. Not a pure specialist. He's not that. He's not Duncan Robinson. Right. Like he can do other things. He he, he can use it. He's he's a big, bulky frame guy. He, he can get to the rim. It, that some of that happened, but um, his primary value, I think, on this team right now was as a as a floor spacer and as a shooter. And he was getting threes up, making them, and that was a huge boost to them. And defensively, we'll come back to that later on. It's not great, but he is physical. And I, I also noticed this. I wonder what, like, just I don't want to oversell it, but he's been extremely durable in his career, yep. which is not a small thing in the modern NBA. Like, he played 77 games this year between Detroit and Atlanta. He played all 82 last year, and he played, I think, 70 or so as a rookie. So, like, he's he's been very available. There were no injuries to speak of, knock on wood. And, like, you know, the biggest thing – I kind of laughed when they made the trade about Landry Fields. It was, it was his first big showcase as the, as the number one – guy after Travis and um you know the topic was Sadiq for the most part when they made that trade and I think I asked or somebody Laura Williams somebody asked him like what the primary you know 
appeal was with Sadiq on the, on the current roster for this year. And he basically said the word depth about 10 times. Like it wasn't a bad thing. Like often you'll, you'll trade for a guy, you'll be wanting to kind of sell that player. And he, and he did, he, he did, he did say, I, it was like, he always said depth, but it was just so funny. Like how much he just kind of said, look guys, this is a move to improve our roster because it gives us more depth. And they just didn't have any depth at that point. And that was my takeaway. It was, I think a lot of people's takeaway, but when he actually got here, it wasn't just depth. He, he, he did give them a different element that was really impressive offensively in particular. And the numbers when he played, when he played on offense were really good. And you contrast that with other guys he was, he was replacing. He played the three, he played the four. And he did cool off. I will say he was shooting like 50% from three for the first month. That was never going to sustain. But he still shot 40% on good volume. And I mean, yeah. um, offensively, like there's just a lot to like about a guy who will get it up like that and also, also be 6'8 and physical. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs, a new sponsor on the podcast. And Bird Dogs is fantastic. It brings fit and comfort and versatility to the table with all of their products. I feel great wearing Bird Dogs. Their stretchy fabric and their shorts gives me a ton of comfort with the ability to wear the same shorts in different situations without having to worry at all, which is definitely appealing to me, to be honest. I am not someone who wants to stress too much about what I'm wearing, but I also want to be making sure that I feel good and what I have on makes a lot of sense in every situation. And Bird Dogs, make sure to check those boxes for me each and every time. I am not a dad, but I also hear from different people in my life that they are perfect pants for dads as well. So if you're into that sort of thing, it makes sense to me and hopefully to you as well. With that said, go to birddogs.com slash When you get there, you will find a fantastic selection of offerings and you can enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. When you do that at checkout, they will throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single order, adding more value to the process. One more time, check out birddogs.com and you'll find a great selection. Birddogs.com slash LOCKEDONNBA is the place to go and uh, you will definitely enjoy Bird Dogs. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I I went back through and just kind of noted a few like statistical things. You know what I mean? I, like I I tend to watch things through the coaching lens. So I like I like the physicality. I like him embracing his role. And by the way, on his, his his role, embracing his role. Oh yeah, he played at Villanova. You know yeah. those guys. Those guys know like how to fit in and adapt. You see whether it's Mikel Bridges shifting into whatever kind of role is needed, depending upon what move Phoenix made now Brooklyn and. Jalen Brunson playing next to and behind, you know, Luca in a, in the perfect way that they needed to. No, no shock in my mind that Dallas no. struggled in that in not having that just functional, constructive kind of guy that they, that's there. And so, I, the guy we saw in Detroit didn't look like kind of the Villanova guy. He looked like a guy who was trying to get paid, which is totally normal. Like I said, Agreed. but going back to like, oh yeah, he's a Nova guy. Those guys, the, <laughs> they understand teamwork and and the, t- the formula the team formula and stuff but after you know he his, i think he played his first game february 11th and from that point on to the rest of the season he was a team best overall plus 100 yep so right and i think the next best bogey was plus 92 kong was plus 88 um from that point on um he 34 assists 17 turnovers that's a nice ratio for a guy who plays at the three and the four uh, not that I'm trying to throw anyone under the, under the bus, but just to compare, Hunter had 20, 29 <laughs> assists, 24 turnovers, yeah. and JC had 25 assists and 20 turnovers. And that functional part of his game, of uh, decision-making, moving, attacking a closeout, having more of a handle, having more uh, judgment and decisiveness kind of in that area of his game made a difference. And then the last thing I'll throw out here is that after the trade, the regular season, he plus Bogey plus Trey were plus 
And that's insane. That was 137 minutes, so not a ton, obviously, but not not it's not like it was a 15 minute sample either. And when those three went on the floor, they played at a pace of 108.8. Golden State led the league in pace 102.5. So they were playing way over that Golden State pace. And yeah. so and, and part of Trey's resurgence, in my mind, was directly connected to what Bay gave them in terms of floor spacing that had to be respected by opposing defenses. Bay will sprint to the corner in transition. You know, he'll do all the all those kind of his play shows up in a lot of kind of winning areas of play and things like that. And that's just, you know, that's just fascinating to me. And so it was sort of like, I think if you, when you watch Trey and even DeJounte at times and others, it was, he was like this breath of fresh air, like, Oh, I have this space now, you know, that I didn't have before. And we've talked about the fact from the prior season, you know, they were second in spot up shooting efficiency to this season. They were 29th in spot up shooting efficiency. They came in and just kind of restored a lot of, the Gallo spacing that they had lost and not replaced, the Herder spacing they had lost and not replaced. I I absolutely loved what he gave to this team. And in, in the in the playoffs, you know, I mean, when you look at the Bay plus Bogey plus Trey plus 26.4, you think of that Miami playing game, and it was Trey and Bogey and Bay minutes that really powered them offensively through that. So I think he has, you know, an absolutely huge role on this team going forward. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how if he's viewed as a guy who needs to they need to make room for him as a starter, you know, because right now the way the roster is fit, that's not really there unless you're going to do something pretty bold with, you know, you know two established starters there for a while. Um, but, uh, you know, sort of in, in a similar context to what we talked about, the Matthews and, you know, Bruno contracts, he's on a nice number for next year. And that gives yeah. them one year of a lot of flexibility too. So to get that, the, con- the number he'll be on next year for the guy they got that, that played for them this year and brought as much as he brought and his willingness to buy in to the role they needed. I, I just, I don't know how it could have gone better, you know, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I liked the move when they did it. Uh, it was a lot. I mean, I think I, I care more about second round picks than most people do, which I will certainly admit, but um, part of the appeal, and I think they would, whether they do on the record or off the record, admit this, Part of the appeal of getting Bay was that he was cheap, um, money-wise. Not not, not necessarily with the trade, but like to have him under contract for the number that you just referenced for next year in particular with their money challenges that they have. They have a lot of money committed. He is cheap, and he's obviously well – he's he's worth a lot more than that contract is going to be for next year. Um, He's extension eligible. Um, You and I will not not cover that. It's not not, not your forte. nor mine necessarily, but um, that would be interesting negotiation if there even is one. I don't know what it's, what it's going to look like. Um, maybe that has to do with role as well, because you know, like you said, I, I think if they if they were to bring everybody back, and everybody in this case being Hunter and Collins, they're not going to start Bay. I don't think on opening night if they have Hunter and Collins both on the roster. Um, we'll see. But th- also for me, I, I don't particularly care. Like it, it matters on some level, but starting lineups just don't matter that much. I've, I've always said this, and I'll still say I'll still say it. Um, he played a lot when he got here, and that was not a coincidence. That was on a team that was again basically entirely healthy for his entire time in Atlanta. He was still playing a big role the entire time. He was playing more than Jalen. He was playing more than AJ, and that was the right decision. He's better than those guys right now, yeah. today, future wise. Obviously, that's a different story. But, uh, you know, he unlocked a lot about the offense. Um, I think the biggest thing was what we covered earlier, uh, earlier not, not, not just the accuracy as a shooter, but the willingness to shoot them. He, he took almost 10 per possessions. That's a very big number, especially for a guy playing 
some of them have his, have his bets at the four. And he can play the three, too. I mean, we'll talk about the defense in a second. That's more of the challenge with him. But I'm glad you said it, too, that the low turnover rate, he's not a great passer, but he'll move the ball um, and he won't turn it over. And that's that's kind of all you want out of that. Um, so, yeah, I think we agree 100% about, like, the role and the way that he bought in and the way that he is, he's, he's used. And, um, you know, I made a clunky comparison after they traded for him to Gallo, and they're not the same player. They're, they're not at all. But the one thing that they are – um, the Hawks had not had that floor spacing four like that. You know, Collins, obviously that's a controversial subject about his floor spacing, but I think even he, everybody would admit that that's not his natural form. Whereas Gallo did other things too, but a lot of his appeal was as that floor spacer. Have you made to do that? Even at the three, I mean, he's, he's also been, I mean, unless you play bogey there, he's got more gravity than Hunter does at the foot at the three, even as, as a shooter, he's, he's a better shooter than the other Hunter is. So they can do that a little bit too. Um, I guess we should talk about the defense. Um, we, we've been pretty effusive in our praise so far. That's probably going to stop yeah. by the defense, I would imagine. Yeah. But uh, uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll frame it this way to you, Glenn. Um, I'll, I'll be nice. It got better early when he it, early. It was really rough. I think everybody can agree on that. that was watching the team. It got yeah. better. Where, what do you think about the defense overall right now, heading into next year, knowing that he'll have an offseason to be in the system? Quinn's around. Um, but there were times early, middle, even in the playoffs where like it was like, man, he's he's kind of killing them on defense. And on a team that and you, you can't divorce from context too, because you talked about the bogey bay minutes. There there are there are other defensive challenges, which makes him harder to kind of deal with defensively because you have Trey, you have bogey, et cetera. Right. Yeah. So I mean, so defensively, I mean, the, it was stark the first half of that six game series roughly against Boston. You know, he was Plan B. He was the second guy in line to take some Tatum minutes. I mean, that was brutal and ugly. Reminder: gonna, Jason, Jason, <laughs> reminder, Jason Tatum finished fourth at MVP. MVP He's a very good player. Yes, right. So that's, it's a huge. It was a huge ask. Just the fact that he would step into and embrace that opportunity to go try that says something to me, right? Mm-hmm. Now, as that we you and I talked like in our retrospective episode. That as the as the series went on, they went more and more and more towards just straight getting into switching, and he was pretty functional, you know, in, uh, switching the basketball. That never showed up. At, like his individual defensive rating that series was like 129, I think, was just like an astronomical number um, and stuff. So there's some work to do to I think kind of put him into lineups where he can kind of function. You know, we we there's basically two general ways the NBA defenses play. Straight man to man, chasing over, drop big, right? I I don't know that he's ever going to really fit that, right? No, uh, very well, unless you're just playing a below average offensive team, which happens across the regular NBA season and stuff like that. And then getting more into either one three four switching or one three five switching, and that's really going to kind of be more of where he's going to be. That's what they went to in the Boston series, and he became uh, just a little bit more playable on the defensive end of the court, like other guys we talk about. Where he's never going to be. A super mobile, lateral quickness, you know, those sorts of things. He has decent, good, he has solid length, but not a ton of length for the position that he plays, you know. Yeah. But he's tough. He competes. He mixes it up. Um, after he came over the trade, he led the Hawks in deflections by a pretty good number. Uh, and when he was on the floor, they Hawks won 70.6% of loose balls. And, mm-hmm. and I think that was, he gets on the floor. And so just, again, He's going to have to buy into being a good team defender, a good help defender, a guy who works really hard as a rebounder. His box out numbers were really, really good too. 
Um, and he, he was willing to go down there and put a body on a guy who's a lot bigger than him when he was playing the four. And that's where his defensive value is going to have to come, you know, is in those areas. And it, and as I watched him play for the Hawks, he kept kind of increasing his investment in those areas over and over and over. And that's what allows you to, let, to play in the last 18 minutes of a game if you have to, if you're behind eight points or so, kind of most of the rest of that way, is, is the effort and the, that extra kind of connectivity that he's going to have to give you that allows him to stay on for those long stretches. And that Miami game, he played like the last quarter and a half. I mean, that, I don't, you know, yeah. he played a long time. First of all, a long stretch with Doki in the first quarter and then closing with him. And, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, as much as I love what John Collins brings to this team, you and I talked about the fact that you need options, you need optionality yeah. the way you're going to go. And we need to put a lot more shooting on the floor Bay's willingness to mix it up on the defensive glass. Bay's willingness to get on the floor for loose balls. His willingness to be physical and go move guys out of a prime rebounding spot. That's where it is for him on defense. That's where it's always going to be for him on defense. In addition to just working hard to become a good, effective switch defender. Um, and, you know, he he played on a, a really, really young you know team in Detroit that didn't really kind of present any immediate accountability for defensive play. That, that's They're on a, a long upward slope is kind of the view when you're kind of building from where Detroit is. And so he got thrown right into it where he, they needed some defense too. And, I, and I, I thought he gave them enough in the areas where he's capable of giving you things, with, but still acknowledging there's got to be improvement in some key areas as well for him to really bring his best you know, value for it. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it is all about making sure every single player is a perfect fit for your roster. It's the same thing when it comes to your vehicle. Every part has to fit just right with eBay Motors. You can definitely find that. Anytime you're looking for parts or accessories, that's the place to go, eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every single part that you need actually fits right and does so the first time around. Just add your rides in my garage, look for the green check to know the part will actually fit or your money will be coming back to you. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when it comes to shopping at eBay Motors. They have over 122 million parts to choose from and be back in the game in no time with eBay Motors. After all, it is easier to bring home a win when the right parts are actually guaranteed for you get the right parts the right fit and the right prices at ebaymotors.com one more time that is ebaymotors.com let's ride eligible items only exclusions apply yeah that, that's a good synopsis because you know i think on the whole it was not fantastic but there were bright spots that i wish should focus on that you said i mean he is physical which the hawks need a lot of i mean they, they've not been honestly in the league the hawks do not have the best reputation for being physical they're not necessarily viewed that way um they were more of that later in the season, which maybe has to do with City Pay. It's not, it's not, that's not all him, but certainly he's a factor in that. Um, he, do, he doesn't foul, which is good. He has a very low foul rate, always a positive for a team that has some foul issues at certain guys. And then when he was on the floor on the glass, it wasn't necessarily him getting the rebounds, but they did a better job as a team when he played on the glass, which is usually a good indicator. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a small sample size, only 25 games or so, whatever it is. So you don't make too much of that, but I think he helps with that. Um, it's interesting because I, I'm with you 100% on, on the switching versus traditional. Um, you know, he'd almost would have been a great fit for those like those hardened Rockets teams that were switching everything because he he is bulky, but he can't get through a screen. He does, um, you know, he had some he had some uh, execution issues along the way. I thought um, in the playoff series, but he'll hold up. Like you know, he's not going to just he'll ne- he'll never quit on a matchup. Like he might be overwhelmed physically against a guy who's bigger than he is. He's not huge, like you said before, 
But if he's playing the three, he's pretty big for a three. He's not big for a four, but he's he's at least physical enough to still kind of hold up. And yeah, the guys the guys who were quick enough to get by him, it's going to be tough. He's not going to be able to stay in front of a guy who is a real a real ball handler creator. Tatum's not even known as like this super quick guy, but he was blown by him. And that's that, it's like what I said before. It's Jason Tatum. You can't really judge that. He shouldn't be guarding Jason Tatum. We kind of all understand that. But I'll be interested to see what they kind of do with him schematically. Because, you know, certain matchups, and we'll say some of this for later, I'm sure, like him and Trey defensively isn't the best pairing. Him and Trey on offense is a great pairing, but like you're never going to be able to switch as much as you would on some teams with Trey as your point guard, and Bay kind of needs to switch more. So um, that's interesting for sure. And also, like, it got to the point where he was essentially the primary backup three as well as the backup four. Right. Is that the plan for him? Is he going to be playing – more for if Collins is not here, for instance, or, um, you know, now you have AJ, um, who I think they're going to probably try to play more Jalen's role. We'll get into those guys later on too, but um, options is a very, very important thing. I'm glad you said, because the tendency as I, as I know, you know, for a lot of people, and this is not a criticism is like, you've, you, you, all you want to do is you want to list the lineup and list the depth chart and say, this guy's this, this guy's this, this guy's this. And Sadiq Bay is a versatile piece and it's a depth piece. It's a, he's versatile and that's a good thing, not a bad thing, but it also makes it hard to kind of put him in a box because, like, we know what he can do, but he's going to have different roles based on who's who's available, the matchup that night, and uh, that's going to be interesting, I think, for me. Yeah, absolutely. Like, w- w- putting him in the mix with JC and Hunter is like, okay, I need, um, you know, I just need more shooting at the three, just more spacing, you know, from the three. Uh, well, you can, you can go towards Bay. You know, and that you know, and, and those sorts of things. You got to adjust defensively for what you have there. To your point, like his biggest issue is navigating screens, and I don't know that he'll ever be good enough <laughs> to do that yeah. a lot, right? And then at the four, you know, it's like, I okay, I need to leave Hunter on, or I need to play Bogey at the three, you know, and I, I've got to get more shooting at the four. You can slide him and positionally either way. You can play him eighteen straight minutes and let him play with. Hunter for a stretch and with JC for a stretch. Mm-hmm. And so his his versatility, I think, is really, really interesting, even on the present roster, not knowing what the roster is going to look like next year. I know a lot of Hawks fans are looking for a change at the forward position specifically, and they're excited about Jalen, which who we were that might happen. That, that might all happen. I mean, that's, that's but, the thing. Like, that's the hardest part about doing this now is, like, we don't know who's going to be here. Um, but, again, that's – part of the appeal of Bay is that he can do different things. Right. And yeah, is, is he a step slow at the three? Yeah, he is. I mean, he's, yeah. uh, if you just said, okay, Sadiq Bay is a primary three, he is near the bottom of the league in mobility on the perimeter as a small four. He, he's not a good mover there, but at the four, he's suddenly fine as far as, right. as far as being able to move your feet. Like he's not a good right. athlete necessarily by NBA forward standards, but he is physical and like it depends on the role on the role. But at, at the four, he's kind of sm- he's not, I wouldn't say small, but you know what I mean? He's kind of he's he's more of a small ball four, quote unquote. Yeah. So I don't know. It's all matchup constructions and lineups. And yeah, I wish we I wish we knew Glenn who's gonna be here. That'd be easier. Uh, uh, no, I mean I, <laughs> it's it's fun to think like before they had this trade, like when fans would say on Twitter, oh man, they just gotta trade JC and Hunter. I'm like, that that's crazy. Like oh, with, yeah, with, Bay, with Bay, it's like that's not as crazy, you know, if not, and, and people know I'm not a proponent of like trading the guys that frustrate us or, you know, frustrate Hawks fans or whatever. But, but I mean, they gave themselves more paths by bringing Bay into this roster, you know, that going into the soft season. 
you know, and for me, it's like I like a guy like Bay with Jalen. Jalen, I think, can defend at the two, three, four. Yeah. And in some small ball lineups, even he's he has some experience at the five. That gives you so much more to work with to work around Bay and even a DeJounte, you know, because uh, Bay plus DeJounte and DeJounte on defense is hard. Like DeJounte's going to have to be better and we're going to cover Same him. Same with Bogey. I mean, that's but, the thing. Like they have, they have these guys who are kind of flammable together. I mean, Jalen does help those guys in general. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm sure I'll be painted this way about, about Bay, but you know, pairing him with Bogey or pairing him with DeJounte or pairing him with Trey, like you have a couple of targets that are playing together. So it's not a coincidence. Like, yeah, they were at their best with Bay on the court offensively when he got yeah. here by the numbers. Yeah. They were also at their worst with him on the court defensively. So it's like, yeah. what do you want to build? And maybe, you know, it goes back to the core 10 that we talk about all the time. Like they're trying to build an offensive team and he, he does fit that, but it's like, can you just do enough defensively? And that, that is an open question without being too judgmental about Bay, because again, I was hopefully trying to pass this along a lot. Like when he got here, he played for, wasn't it like, didn't he have three or four head coaches in four games or something crazy like that? I, I mean, one, of those, one of those crazy stats. Right. And like, it would have been, it's to be, it's good to be kind to him about the, about the adjustment period there. I don't think he's going to be as bad as he was for a large, yeah. for portions of this set, but it was the same in Detroit. Like, he wasn't great there either. So you kind of have to yeah. just be realistic with what you expect. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and for me, it's it, but I mean, just just his the the flexibility he gives you because of his diversity, and again, so much of that comes because of what he embraced on offense, you know, and and then on the flip side of that, to I mean, Hunter will would play next and will help him a lot, right? Yeah. Hunter could take that primary responsibility. When you need another like a second big man on the floor, like JC can help him. So I, you know, we don't know what the change in the turnovers going to look like yet, and I'm not I'm not even, I'm not even kind of ready to. <laughs> to really, really dive in around it's that. It's still yet. May. It's fun, you know. Um, but I mean, I mean, what a great, just overall, just what a wonderful addition. And you know, after the uh, all NBA teams were announced, and Hawks fans were, you know, pushing back. That's what fans do, so it's fine. But I mean, when you look at Trey's efficiency numbers this year, you had to know he had no shot, right? He had absolutely no, no chance. And and that's where I highlighted, like, okay. Trey had no space to work with this year. He just didn't. Two two reasons. One is I don't think they had the right coach to really kind of get Trey and DeJounte really kind of you know fit in together. And the second part was just all this shooting that got sent out that wasn't replaced. And for me, it's like if you're like if you find a way to play Bay 30 minutes a game next year, Trey's numbers go right back to the level in my mind that got him with a 13 all NBA, right? I think he goes right back to being the guy, if not even maybe a little bit better. Um, and, and that's exciting to me. And, and you could see, I mean, maybe, maybe this is me kind of imagining something that's not quite there, but a little, uh, you know, extra energy from Trey when Bay was on the court, you know, it's just feeling a little bit more, ah, you know, I have a little bit of space to work with. And, uh, I mean, all you got to do is look at what Trey did against Miami in the play in this year versus what he did last year and in that five game series. And it was, you know, I know statistically it wasn't like this, complete transformation but they they had a good offensive game and, and and a lot of that came with bay on the floor so he just bring he just replaces a lot of what they had tritted in the prior offseason all yeah. in one player and the embracing the offensive role and is willing to mix it up and be a tough competitor on defense despite his lack of kind of raw tools i you know as the coach of me is like i love it 
I absolutely oh, yeah. love it. So it was a, it was a, it was a great addition, and I think he's going to play with the Hawks. I think he's going to play with Trey for a long time. Yeah, there's a lot to like. I, I mean, I, I know that you and I would be in the high percentile of people who care about defense, and it, it does it does matter. I think some of the some of the talk about Sadiq without picking on him is just a little bit one sided and like because it does it did work beautifully on offense. It just it just did. I would just stress you can't ignore the defense. It, it does matter. Yep. Um, how much it matters is up for debate, and the numbers were great. I mean, I think I just pulled it. Yeah, I pulled it just now. Him and Trey together regular season had a 122 offensive rating together. That's that's uber elite. I mean, and it's, it's not a surprise because, you know, it wasn't a surprise to me and you either, but, you know, they went from having Herter and Gallo to having DeJounte and JC falling off as a shooter yep. and playing Jalen. Like, that was a drastic drop-off, and it wasn't shocking to us. We kind of saw it coming that they were going to have these spacing challenges, but they had them. And Bay, not on his own, but certainly having that – that weapon to go to, in addition to the coaching change and everything else, open things up. And I think that Quinn, not only will he have the opportunity to kind of, you know, thought bubble their way through the train DeJounte thing, which is going to be the, the, probably the highest profile thing, but also how can we play lineups that have some of these defensive questions together? Because on paper, the probably the scariest unit they could play offensive only would have Trey, Bogey, and Bay on the court together. Absolutely. Like defensively, that's terrifying, <laughs> but offensively, it's also terrifying in a good way. So, like, what do you want to do? How do you want to pick and choose that? Yep. Can you live with that? Um, you know, game plan wise, scheme wise, and that's that's more your department than mine. But I, yep. uh, to put it, pin on like I, what you said is perfect. I think the way that yep. they brought him in, he checks a lot of boxes, and having a guy like that, he's just different than what they had in every way. But they, there was just no one on the roster that does the stuff that he does offensively while also giving you that physicality to kind of paper over some of the other weaknesses too. Yeah. And, and even like, if you're, if you want to be like, wow, the defensive part of that trio we mentioned, you know, but for me, it's like, we think about these games like against Toronto, against Milwaukee, a lot of length and where they were just kind of choking the ball out of Trey's hands, giving him no space this season, the Hawk, I mean, the prior se- two seasons, Gallo could come in and function and really make a lot happen. And work as an outlet. This yeah. year they had, nothing to go to literally nothing to go to right and bay came in and just restored a lot of that sanity so in games where the other team is like loading up on trey just like they did i guess in miami and play in bogey and bay on we're going to figure it out defensively but we're going to we're going to give trey the things he needs to do what he does best and they didn't have that until they got bay they didn't have the well, option of putting two shooters at that level they're unguardable. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't say that flippantly. And obviously, you know, certain days it would not be this way. But the theory of Trey and those two guys, along with let's just say Dejounte is the fourth in the perimeter and a center, that's that's fairly unguardable. I mean, if you have two dynamic shooters like that, and also Bogey and Bay can both do a little bit with the ball in their hands. They're not they're yeah. not standstill only catch and shoot guys. They can do a little bit more stuff. Like. There's a reason why the numbers are, are what they are. Like you can't stop that if they're going the way that they're, that they're probably going to be going. So, the theory of the team is interesting in general. But and, then, and by the way, I know you said it before. That doesn't mean that they, that they have to find a way to start Sadiq Bay this right. year. Like they, they that's it's it's if he's their sixth seventh man, it's fine. That doesn't Absolutely. bother me at all. Um, right. You know, we'll see. They could, I mean, there is certainly a world in which he's starting at the power forward spot to open next season. That would not shock me at all. Um, it will surprise me, I'll say, if he's starting at the three, 
Agreed. only because I think Hunter is not likely to be traded, number one. But even if he mm-hmm. was, defensively, if you're starting one, two, and three is Trey DeJounte and Sadiq Bay, there's some alarm bells for me. Yeah. So you need, you need at the four or five, you need Draymond Green and Draymond. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we, we won't have that rabbit hole now, but um, there is a world in which he's starting. There is a world in which he's not. And I, I think that he's going to have a prominent role and he'll help the offense a lot. And that transaction worked out very well. And, you know, have that be your big splash move in the middle of the season. That isn't what like pushed them to a different level, but it definitely helped them quite a bit. So and, I, and, to, uh, and to get that without giving up a first round pick, uh, yeah, like, to get I mean, that without giving up one of their, one of their young guys, I mean, just a one, wonderful transaction, and it's going to have, have a positive impact going forward. We talked about the flexibility, the shooting, replacing the things that were traded. I, I love it. I love. I love him. I hope that they can situate him defensively in a way that he feels more confident with what he can do and what he can bring. I trust Quinn to do that uh, as much as any coach. So, can't wait to to, to get to <laughs> October and kind of kind of yeah. kind of see the way he's fitting in even better. Agreed. I would love to know uh, what the roster is going to look like, but uh, in in the meantime, we know that he fits a lot of different people, which makes it easier to talk about him than some. Uh, so uh, we we can leave it there for now. But uh, don't forget, everybody, if you uh, missed it, by the way, in our, fir- in our first conversation and in, in our capsule series, they also got Garrison Matthews and Bruno Fernando in that series of transactions, which were well, certainly we could probably level with each other and said those were less important moves, but they were helpful moves Very down the line. So that was all one big package and a, a kind of a good a good debut moment or two or three or four, however you want to say it, for the for the new front office structure. So yep. there you go. Uh, Glenn, we'll wrap it up there on this Sadiq Bay only podcast, in which we managed to not go an hour. Uh, anywhere, anything uh, that people should know about your work and then where they can find you, my friend. Yeah, once again, like uh, you know, looking forward to having some uh, persistent presence here and then uh, ATL and 29 podcasts. Um, you know. I, Kevin and I will find our rhythm, as, especially as we start working towards the draft class. I'm, you know, I told you I'm going to do about 100 hours. I'm, I'm 25 hours in now. That, that's that's a good sample size. Yeah, so, so I'm making progress there. And I'm sure we'll cover some of that as we get closer to the draft. The lottery is this coming week, right? It's Tuesday, yeah. We're, yeah Tuesday. We're, we're, I'm not, it might even. I'm not sure when this is going to. Might run. already happen. It yeah. might have already happened. But as we record this podcast, yeah, it's yeah. it's coming up. Yeah. Yes. It, the, the joke there is that our we are episodes are so long. It might have happened, but just because of how long our episode that is, is, like, it is oh, oh, it's Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, uh, but you know, peace three, peace three hoops. You know, supporting those guys a lot of times behind the scenes now and stuff like that. And then on Twitter at Willis underscore Glenn, I have a lot of fun talking with Hawks fans and NBA fans over there. So if you haven't followed me, come have some fun. Check out Glenn's work. That will do it for today's podcast. We'll have more in the future on the rest of the core 10, so to speak, on the Hawks roster. Please subscribe to this podcast. Check out Glenn, and we'll see you all next time. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.